Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, Take the Cake, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest interview with Teresa. She is so cool, down to earth, and her approach to healing is truly one that I appreciate so much. I actually, I had to have her on. I asked her on to be a guest on the show because I think her approach to healing is so real and optimistic and inspiring. So I really, really loved this interview. Teresa is the founder of Living Roots Wellness, a colon hydrotherapist by training. She now works as an independent health researcher and EFT brain rewiring coach. Teresa holds space for one-on-one clients seeking deeper trauma-informed work to get to the root of their chronic illnesses, utilizing brain rewiring and EFT tapping as her primary tools. In addition to somatic experiencing, breathwork, parts work, and CBT. Teresa focuses on supporting those dealing with highly complex cases of chronic illness and trauma patterns that may have lost hope in their ability to heal as a result of their condition. With terrain-centered nutrition, deep listening, and brain rewiring techniques, she empowers her clients with research-based self-healing tools to reclaim their center, rebuild their confidence, and ultimately heal themselves. Such an interesting person. Her work is so fascinating to me. If you have not heard of EFT, uh, it's really such a cool and interesting realm. So without further ado, thank you so, so much, Teresa, for being on the show. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoy. I would love to know how you ended up doing this work. It's pretty specific. So please tell me your story and ending up in this moment here. I'm going to simplify it because every time someone asks me, I realize, oh my gosh, it's such a long and winding story. But at a very simple level, it was kind of by accident and like most people, I think you don't expect to lose your health. And I definitely didn't. And my health had been going down for years. I think as early as second grade, I remember feeling really tired, really bloated, just kind of lacking vitality. And I just thought it was normal. Clearly over the years, it (laughs) came to my attention that this was not normal And that opened up the realm of testing and seeing doctors and trying to find answers and really becoming aware, okay, this is not what other people are experiencing. Fast forwarding through that a little bit, we entered the world of Lyme disease and chronic infection. And it was finally like a aha moment of, okay, we figured it out. And all you have to do is treat the infections and then life will return to normal. But It was with all of the diagnoses and testing and seeing doctors and kind of feeling like I became a specimen in a way and shifting to very extreme healing diets and everything that comes with these protocols. I got really sick, both physically and mentally, to the point where my best option was tube feeding through the heart. I had lost all motility. It's 
unclear whether that was a result of the infections. Some of the Lyme and co-infections can cause paralysis of the gut, but I also think it was just from severe depletion. Just there comes a point in time where, you know, the body is just so exhausted from being so stressed. So it was a kind of a breaking point for me. And I was already working with a coach at the time. She specialized actually in EFT tapping and hypnosis. And she was kind of a, like a stabilizing force for me in terms of just finding ways to calm down and regulate. And I mean, really when you're that sick, I don't know if you've met anyone that struggles with pretty severe chronic Mm -hmm. illness, but it's like the anxiety and the panic kind of becomes your, your normal mode of operation. So it was working through some of that, some of the more mental, emotional side of things, facing some of the demons, feeling like I'd never be well enough to enjoy my life, feeling scared that I was going to die very young, all of that. Working with her, especially with EFT tapping, gave me these little glimpses of how powerful the brain is and how it can really tell you these terrifying stories, but we don't have to necessarily believe them. So that I would say was my first experience of realizing, wait a second. Yes. The body might be physically very unwell. And my mind had learned to be very unwell, but it was like in those moments of questioning my own thoughts with EFT tapping and more of the hypnosis type work, that's when I started to feel hopeful again. And not to say that my physical symptoms immediately went away, but it was almost like, wait a second, there was like a schism there where I realized I did have a little bit more control over what was happening, even though my treatments weren't working and my doctors did not know what to do. It was, yeah, it feels very intense looking back because it was almost like, wait a second, I don't have to wait for someone to fix me or heal me or give me the right protocol or cure whatever infection I had. So that's a very fast story of what led me to this type of work with other people. Because I think, again, in the realm of chronic illness, people are very well aware that trauma plays a role, but also the way we think about our bodies, the way we treat our bodies, the stories we tell ourselves as we go about the day, those also can either inhibit or allow for healing. And it's a matter of choosing the thoughts that are actually going to support you. Mm, what a beautiful story. <laughs> what like your life story. Wow. So far. There it is. <laughs> beautiful. There she is. Wow. So you were experienced chronic illness. Sounds like Lyme was one of those things. And then you mentioned co-infections and you felt generally, I'm not saying 100%, but generally maybe like a little bit let down by your options and by the medical, what was, what was happening. So that's when you ended up resorting to maybe like alternative methods of healing. Is that right? Yes. And I would say, and by no means is this a judgment on any of the practitioners I worked with, but even the alternative routes that I took were not proving to be helpful because, you know, naturopaths, I found them to be very quick to prescribe tons of supplements Mm. and, you know, tons of detoxes and actually maybe even more rigid diets, which again, really twisted my thoughts. And we'll probably get to talking about this, but 
the food fears took over my life first because I had been told certain foods would feed the infections and because I was having really intense reactions to the food. And it was kind of this paralysis of not knowing what's safe, not knowing what's going to make me feel worse. So yeah, that's a, maybe a little side pathway, but it was really thinking, okay, if the doctors and naturopaths and even more like functional practitioners and holistic healers don't have the answers that really leaves it in my hands and kind of choosing to think about it in terms of what if this is an opportunity to see what could work, what else is out there, what maybe it's possible without having to take a supplement or do a protocol or follow a strict regimen. Well, you know, I'm getting this sense and I love this. I love, this is how I like to work with my clients too, is that you felt like you reached all the corners of the external world when it came to your healing. Like you really tried to find it outside of yourself and you kind of brought it back in, um, into your own internal world, which of course we need both external and internal Mm -hmm. healing. Um, that I do think though, that the current like allopathic model of healing is very much external and based on what other people can do for you. So it's really refreshing to hear your story and just hear you, how you've ended up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a big piece of it too, because oftentimes if something's presented by someone in an authority position, Mm -hmm. we say yes, even if something inside of us might be questioning it or something intuitively doesn't feel right. And I think that's part of where things start to get murky because we learn to shut down maybe the red flags or the warning signs because it's like, well, if I want to heal, I better do what they say versus wait a second. What if healing isn't about these really strict paradigms and supplements and restrictive diets and you know, really taking on the idea that you're a sick person? What if it's about actually doing less and finding more joy and adding more food, not less, you know, adding in a lot of these stigmatized foods as opposed to avoiding them. So much to talk about there. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I just had um, somebody on who we talked about abundance mindset versus restrictive mindset and how healing it is just to be in the abundance mindset instead of telling yourself or other allowing other people to tell you like, you can't do this. You can't have this. This is going to make your life worse. And it's just really, really a huge shift to be like, you know what? I'm living in abundance and I get to choose. And at the end of the day, you know, yourself better than anyone else. Like no one else knows you better than you know yourself. So um, I love this sense of freedom. I really value freedom. And so I can tell it's a, especially when it comes to healing. So um, it's funny you say that because kind of working backwards with people, like, especially if they are in the thick of their healing journey and really maybe even disabled in a lot of ways, really fatigued, unable to do much, even standing up or going for a walk. It's just too much really depleted people. But the more we talk and the more we kind of get to the root of what they're after, it is that sense of freedom. It's the freedom to move, the freedom to you know, just be in a body and not have to think so much about symptoms and what might cause worsening of symptoms. But yeah, I think that's, that's a core theme that so many of us are after, and we might get confused as to how to get that. But I think if we, we want it. (laughs) Yeah. But if we focus on the feeling of freedom, 
it's even available in moments of still being sick. And I quote, I know people can't see, but thinking about maybe even just the freedom to let yourself rest as opposed to feeling like you shouldn't be resting all of these rules that we have. Yeah. It's really, I think establishing whose rules you're living under who made up the rules for your life is important. It's a really important thing to do. Um, Okay. So tell me, um, I was telling Teresa off the air that I found her through during my digestion journey. I don't think I told you even actually, but I was really, really struggling with my digestion. Um, I had pretty intense symptoms. I had a colonoscopy. So I saw a GI doctor. I saw a functional practitioner. I was on probably 15 supplements. Um, I did, and it was during 2020. So um, I did a SIBO protocol with my, a different GI doctor. um, And then I did like three, I had to do like three GI map tests because of COVID, like the mail was really slow. So I was like, I have to do this three times. <laughs> it was really intense. Um, so I've, I was really, really defeated. And um, I think that's probably when I searched your video. So I appreciate you a lot. And um, so anyways, all that to say, please tell my audience and me what EFT really is. You know, it's kind of a niche thing. So I'd love for you just to to lay, lay the groundwork here. Yeah. Well, first I'm glad you found it helpful and it's essentially a pattern interrupt, but people, different practitioners have different styles, but it follows a pretty, pretty similar framework in the sense that you honor and validate and express all of the emotions that are honest. So like with your gut protocols and all the testing, maybe validating how overwhelming it is. Like you said, how defeating it is, how exhausting it is, how scary it is to feel like no one has the answers, how you're taking 15 supplements and nothing's working. Maybe things are getting worse, how you're doing all the things and just feeling consumed. That's where we start. So a tapping sequence, we're hitting specific points that are actually based on acupressure meridian points and pretty amazing. Actually, the research shows that even, or I should say the tapping points specifically are an active ingredient because you can say all these things like in talk therapy or write them in your journal or, you know, text them to a friend, but there's something very specific about hitting the points while we are stating these truths and stating these, these feelings that it starts to deactivate the fear centers in the brain, which then allows us to reprocess it. And as I'm sure you're aware, and maybe some of the listeners that sometimes the brain might overreact to certain stimuli or triggers or stressors to the point where they almost become traumatic. And every time we're re-triggered, whether that's a food situation or a symptom or having to do a test, anything like that, it's as if the brain gets sucked right back into that panic mode. So what we're doing with tapping is we are letting the brain kind of unhook from its learned stress response and giving it a giving it a chance to respond with a sense of peace, a sense of wisdom that isn't run by stress hormones. So as the sequence goes on, we might shift more towards the leading part of the tapping 
tapping protocol. I guess that's what I'll call it today. <laughs> tapping sequence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's more about, okay, given that this is what I'm feeling, given that I'm overwhelmed, given that my gut is really flaring up right now and I don't know what to do, how do I want to move through this? And it's in that, that I think the peacefulness and the relaxation, and even just like the calm can start to sink in because as you know, trying to solve something as complex as digestive disturbances in a state of panic or in a state of fear doesn't work because that tends (laughs) to be what's fueling the dysfunction to begin with. So Mm-hmm. If we can slow things down and actually enter a state that is calm, then we might even gain new insights. And that's my favorite part of tapping, actually. It's after the sequence is done, when people feel calmer, maybe they're yawning, they often get these little insights from their own intuition that maybe say, wait a second, I thought that taking 15 supplements was a good idea, but maybe I just need to stop everything right now. And they start getting better. So there is, it's kind of like what you were mentioning before. There is a sense of learning to take your power back, learning to trust yourself. And we can do so much better when the stress is not running the show. I love, yeah, so true. So much of my healing has been just that, like I, my digestion was, was at its all time. It felt like rock bottom. And um, it was frustrating because my eating disorder was healed. And that was what I thought. And I still really think was the main driver behind why I was having digestive problems. You know, that made sense to my, my brain and it still does. And so healing my eating disorder and then being left with these digestion symptoms was so hard. And um, I feel like so, so many people, I mean, I have episodes where I talk about this, so this isn't super new information to my audience, but the thing that really healed me was letting go of the supplements, letting go of the doctor's visits and just like stripping away my rules in my life. So I started to reintroduce because I was doing low FODMAP for a while, which is oh so restrictive. I, know. <laughs> I mean, some people love it and I'm not, don't want to discredit anyone who's on that journey. It was too restrictive for me. It didn't help uh, me. So I just was like, I'm just going to eat all the foods. I'm just going to I, I actually, during this time, I was telling you that I was modeling. So I actually ended up quitting my job and like finding coaching. So it wasn't like all these things inside of me that were, you know, I had really clear messages and they weren't clear right away when I was like, I'm done taking supplements. I mean, I was, I was crying on the floor with my face down in my rug, you know, so I'm not saying it was just this easy walk in the park, or anything like that. Um, but I really had to like, listen to what my life was trying to tell me all along, you know? So, um, I love that. Tell me, describe if you don't mind, like what a session tapping session looks like, like how long is it? Um, you know, what, what happens? You you mentioned tapping on certain pressure points. Like no one can see, but you were tapping on like the side of your wrist while you talk about while you release feelings. Okay. Yeah. It really depends on the person, but for, for example, a one-to-one session, especially if I'm getting to know someone or it's early on in our relationship together, a lot of, a lot of our time is spent asking, I'll ask questions, listening, and really trying to reveal what's going on. Because as you know, it might be 
the stress of a situation, our brain tries to craft, craft stories about what's going on, but we mm. might not even realize what else is coming up, you know, just for example, like not even feeling safe in our own bodies because of a digestive mm. disturbance. But the more we start to talk, the more it brings up maybe feelings that stem back to childhood of, wow, this is, this reminds me of when I felt X, Y, and Z. So lots of inquiry, lots of questions and the tapping sequences, they have been found to be most effective when they're in the the language of the person that's attempting to solve or shift some problem. Again, I quote, because as we know, most problems are (laughs) not really problems Mm -hmm. that we can see them as opportunities to maybe change something or look at them differently. But I'd say a typical session where we're actually tapping and going through all of the core beliefs and what we want to release, what we'd like to think about something instead, maybe anywhere from like 10 minutes to 35 minutes. And it really Mm -hmm. depends on the person too, because some people, if we really get to the root of something and we tap on it for a pretty significant amount of time, they might feel complete resolution of that story. Mm. Whereas other people, they might notice, wow, I feel calmer about this. I feel more confident about choosing not to take these supplements and choosing not to model anymore. But now I'm realizing this area of my life feels intense. So sometimes it's kind of like whack-a-mole in the sense that you'll take care of one story and then something else will pop up and then we'll maybe tap again on a similar pathway in the next session, but it's really case by case. You know, there are certain times where I feel like tapping is best put on hold. And maybe it's more about just asking questions and letting the person share their story because thinking about what makes tapping really effective, again, coming back to honesty and a lot of people end up holding so much in so much of their stress They feel like they can't say what they really think. They feel like they can't be fully honest with what they're experiencing. So a lot of the session is built around that. And then we can start to kind of dig into the mud a little bit more. Yeah. So you just allow your clients to have a safe space. Essentially, yes. Yes. And also (laughs) a playful space too. And and this doesn't resonate Mm -hmm. with everyone, but I think even in the darkest and most stressful of times we can let some comedy in and we can let ourselves even laugh at how awful and terrible a situation is that can be really helpful too just to remind ourselves that you know this human experience is not easy the sooner we can learn not to take it too seriously and maybe bring a little lightness into it not to bright side someone's experience but to even just soften some of the stress around it too. Mm-hmm. I find it so important. I do too. I know. I, I, in my sessions, I start with intake. And so I just ask questions the whole time. And usually I'll get a few like laughs. Like I'll, a lot of times I'll ask the question, what do you like to do for fun? And people are like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, what do you mean? Like, fun? What's fun? <laughs> Some people know exactly what they do for fun, which is great. Um, so there's no right or wrong answer. It's just kind of an interesting you thing. Just reminded um, me that question of yeah. what do you do for fun? I feel like that is mm-hmm. a perfect barometer of where someone's at on the, on the stress spectrum. Because if someone really has no idea what's enjoyable and fun, that's a great measurement of, okay, well, 
maybe we can start going back to what you liked to do when you were younger or that five-year-old version of, of you. What did she like to do for fun? And it's, I think a question like that too allows someone to wake up a little bit and realize, whoa, I've, I don't even know what's fun anymore. How much has mm. this healing journey actually proven to not be healing? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so much, so much of my work is like, let's just find some pleasure in your life. And a lot of people feel so much shame around pleasure and it's quite literally like what we live for. <laughs> so when people feel like they can't access pleasure because they feel shame or they feel like it's just not they're not good enough, whatever it might be it is. So it's such deep work. And I'm like, let's get, let's get you doing something that you like, you know, that you enjoy. And it's doesn't, life doesn't have to be um, work, 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 stress, 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 stress. And it sucks because we live in a world where that's pretty much what I think a lot of us are kind of seen and taught. Yeah. We observe. So it's really important. Yes. And you remind me too like with healing gut disturbances, which is a big part of what I do again, just given my own experience, but it's like, you become so consumed with trying to resolve the symptoms that you kind of forget who you are. And a funny mm. way to flip it around is to think, okay, well, what would I be doing if I weren't sick or what would I be doing if I weren't trying to heal? And again, that can be really hard to answer at first, but if someone can actually get to the point where there may be intentionally doing some of those things, it almost gives the brain a break from body scanning and symptom scanning and kind of catastrophizing or overly focusing on what's next, what's the next protocol, what's the next supplement. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm fully on board with infusing the play, the pleasure back into things. And perhaps that will even provide some of the healing. We know that digestion, digestion happens so much more beautifully when we're relaxed, when we're, oh yeah, you no, know, when we're in a state of joy. So absolutely. It's, it's, I feel like that's a starting place in so many ways. It's not super sexy to be like, um, just rest in your digestion. Like people, and I, I'm totally with them. Like you just want something easy. You want something fast. So of course it's, it's only natural to want to go the route of let's just have someone take care of me, give me a pill, whatever. Um, and sometimes that works. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Really? It works really well for people. <laughs> I haven't met, well, you mentioned the low FODMAP diet. I haven't met a single person that said, you know, that fixed me. In fact, what I find more often is that people do something like the low FODMAP or GAPS or specific carbohydrate diet or autoimmune paleo, whatever it is. And their symptoms maybe, maybe stabilize, but then they're brain uh -huh. feels a little bit more activated and they maybe become more orthorexic and therefore more stressed. So it's kind of like, okay, we may be stabilized or suppressed one thing, but did we really uncover what's going on here? Especially because my audience, most people are, are in recovery or have a relationship with food that's restrictive already. Yeah. So it's like, no, no, no more restriction. We don't want that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it didn't work for me. I don't really know anyone it worked for. So I guess you're right. Um, <laughs> if it did now that I think someone, of it, we, we should uh, talk. To them. Where are they? Yeah, yeah. let's talk. Um, amazing. Okay. So you had mentioned that you have some specific tapping techniques for my audience. So the people who are in recovery just have limitations around food. I like how you use food stories. I really like that. 
and then body body stories. So can you elaborate? Yes. So going back to the framework of a tapping sequence, we have to start, well, I shouldn't even say we have to, we get to start with honesty and say someone is ashamed of their body and they actually do not like the way it looks and they're still kind of torn, maybe thinking and realizing I need to gain weight in order to heal, but that's making me really uncomfortable. And I'm scared if I add in more foods, I will X, Y, and Z, whether that's, I won't like the way I look anymore. I'll lose a sense of control. I won't feel relaxed, whatever those stories are. Mm -hmm. We want to start there. So I'm assuming related to your work, I find it really helpful to let someone do like a kind of like a brain dump in the sense of all of the things yeah. that you maybe don't want to say, or you're scared to admit, or the stories that run throughout your mind. Let's get them out right now and start to look at them and start to challenge them. So it's less of a technique and more of kind of the framework of, okay, let's start with everything that's, that is there. And some of the thoughts might even be contradictory. Like I so badly want to feel free and safe around food and I want my body to look a certain way or I so badly wish I could have that freedom that I see in my best friend and I kind of like having these food rules because then I can control certain things whatever that is starting there and then shifting more towards the feeling states that you desire so if it is wanting to feel relaxed and wanting to feel kind of like the no big deal attitude around food, like, oh, whatever's there is great. You know, it's food is fuel. That's sometimes a person's goal, especially if they've been in a really restrictive relationship with food, then we'll start to shift more towards the kind of the images that come to mind. So I'll maybe ask someone when you imagine yourself not taking food so seriously. Maybe you're at a dinner party. Maybe you're at out to eat. Maybe you're at a potluck. When you imagine yourself going with the flow, not really thinking too much about the food, grabbing whatever, but knowing that it doesn't need to be a certain way, what images come to mind? So there's definitely an aspect of embodiment because as soon as the brain starts playing out what it wants and what would be ideal, that kind of freedom, that flexibility, that relaxed relationship with food, then we start to get these cues as to, okay, how can we make this real? If you imagine that happening, let's build in a little test scenario. So that could be scheduling, going out to eat, or you know, doing something that might be a little bit outside of your comfort zone and embodying the state that you want to practice more And it's a way to prime the brain, really teach the brain, hey, this is a possibility. I know you might have these stories, you might be anxious, you might have feelings of being stuck in a certain pattern. Like say someone feels like they want that freedom, they want that flexibility, but they feel so paralyzed. Like their rules might be so intense, their food fears might be so intense, their symptoms might even be really intense. If we can still even imagine what it might be like to soften our grip a little bit and the brain starts showing us images of that, that's where we like to start. So in terms of making it useful for your audience, I think that's exactly it. It's really asking yourself, what, how do I want to feel? What would be Mm. ideal if I didn't have all of these 
diagnoses, if I didn't have these labels, even sometimes self-chosen labels, if I were to remove them for a moment, how do I actually want to show up as a human? And for some people, kind of like the play question, it might be a little difficult. They might not have a clear answer. So in that case, I would flip it and maybe ask, okay, well, how do you want people to feel when they're around you? What is it? What kind of imprint do you want to give off? And for some reason, that question seems to cut through any of the murky cloudiness because we know the kind of people we like to be around. We know certain energies and personalities that we're naturally drawn to, whether it's someone that's really generous or really easy going and really chill and very, you know, like the, the kind of people that I think most people resonate with because they feel better being around them. If we can imagine ourselves giving off a more ideal imprint, then all of a sudden the brain's like, okay, that's the end goal. How do I get there? And it doesn't really matter how you get there because your brain will start giving you maybe more ideas of, well, how would I embody this? How can I make this real? Not, not with the intention of faking it, but with the intention of literally trying it on because I love the idea that you can start fresh in every moment. You know, say you're grumpy, you're frustrated mm-hmm. or overwhelmed. You can literally take a deep breath in and choose to step into the next moment with a sense of ease or a sense of lightness. And I think mm-hmm. there's overlap with this kind of imagination work. And then tapping will just kind of help to solidify it in, especially if it feels stuck, because I'm sure people listening might feel like, wow, okay, I want all of that and I just can't do it. And I've got so much fear and anxiety and paralysis around certain stories that I just can't imagine not being this way. So that's where we have to get a little sneaky and a little creative. Mm, I love, I work with my clients a lot with the body image piece with a lot of what you mentioned that really resonates. And I love how you're like, tell me what's on your mind. I'm like, tell me why you don't want to be in this spot. Like, I think so many people feel shame about Mm -hmm. the ideas that they have about themselves. And they feel like they don't want to say something like, you know, if I eat whatever I want, I'm just going to keep gaining weight. I'm never, I feel like I'm never going to stop. Like people, so many people, like that's just one example. And there's whatever other examples. And it's just, I tell my clients, I can, maybe you're like this too. You can kind of tell that they're holding back and I'm like, just say it, just like release it. Just say it. Tell me what's really on your mind. And once they do, it's just like, like all these, they just need to get it out. And I think that's, so I love that you start with that element and then the visualization, you know, you're so right. Once we can allow ourselves and like allow our brains to imagine a different future, you will start to, the more you do that, the more your brain will start to kind of create that path for you. And then last but not least, I love that you're like so present and you're in the moment with so much of my work with my clients. I'm like, let's just do a week trial. Let's just try for a week and let's just see what happens. Let's try for a day. Like it doesn't even have to be a week. And, you know, we always have a choice. We can always change what our life looks like. And I, again, with the whole idea of like, you have to know what you want when you're in college age, you have to know what you want for your life. You have to have, well, whatever. I'm just like, no, no one knows 
and no one should know everything that's going to happen to them. Um, so I love your work. <laughs> I'm so on board with what you do. I, I really appreciate that. And there seems like there's so much overlap, which is amazing and a nice reminder because it's kind of like thinking about all of these tools, all of these healing modalities, all these coaches, all of these unique entry points into maybe looking at something differently, releasing a pattern that we are ready to let go of. And I, I love what you said about, you know, just giving someone that space to say it because they, most people know when they're holding on to something, but like you said, it's like, we've been so conditioned that we don't even know that it's a possibility to let it go. And as soon as we remember that, wait a second, we get to make our own rules. We've been so conditioned. We've been lied to. We've been, you know, we've been manipulated in so many ways to believe this is the way life should look. As soon as we start questioning that, we might get these pretty clear insights as to, wait a second, if I only get to do this life thing once, what kind of life do I want to look back on? What is it that I really want to create and feel and have this beautiful memory bank that I can hold and cherish. And that seems to clarify, clarify a lot of this for people, because for example, the body image stories, some, some people might really be attached to a certain aesthetic or a certain look when really deep down, they just want to be free back to the, back to freedom. They want to be free. They want to be playful. They want to be joyful. They want to be truly soaking up and enjoying their life. So as soon as the brain starts to realize, wait, it's not the body image that will give me freedom. It's actually living in a certain way and acting and allowing myself to be free. Then the attachment to the body image starts to dissolve itself, which I love because there's a lot of, a lot of this work. I feel like is the body does it itself. And it just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of gentle nudging, a little bit of massaging. And then we're, before we know know it, we're there. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I just posted a reel. I love that. I just posted a reel. And in the caption, I mentioned that I truly feel like it's required for somebody to live life for a significant amount of time. I don't, I don't know how long in their bodies. Like, let's say you're in a weight restoration journey and you need to gain weight to be healthy. Um, if that's the case, I truly believe you have to experience life within this freedom weight range within this body that you, that you're naturally meant to be at for a significant amount of time. And just like experience life in that way. And, and the body, like you're right, the body will start to affirm your life will become affirmed and you'll see, oh, this isn't so bad. Actually, this is good. And actually I feel better than I, than when I had, I I like that you use an attachment because I think so many people think that the body image is the problem and it is about the body. Right. But it's also not about the body and it's not about the body. So two truths here again, like you mentioned, and we can work on the body image and we can also release the body image and be like, whoa, this is just like a society decided that it was good to attach a body to a feeling. And in reality, like it's just, it's bigger than that. So I, I I agree. It really is. And I think once you've done a lot of the healing, then maybe say that desire for a certain aesthetic is still there, but it feels different. Maybe you're approaching 
doing mm. it from a place of self-love and self-respect. I see this a lot with clients that maybe they have been sick for a while and then they're starting to feel better. They're starting to feel more energetic and then they might want to get back into training or weightlifting, not to torture themselves, not to be thin, but to feel back to the feeling, back to feel strong, to feel capable with the added bonus that the aesthetic is maybe a more muscular physique, but it comes from a place of celebration and mm. really honoring the body and, you know, a place of nourishment because building muscle definitely takes a lot of fuel, a lot of work. And yeah, so it's, it's kind of thinking about the manner in which we do things too. And, and working backwards thinking, is this coming from a place of self-respect of maybe a, a place of, I like to put it in terms of, would this be what we'd want to model for our kids? Like, is this mm -hmm. what you'd be mm -hmm. wanting? Would this be what you'd say to a child or if, if you were giving advice to someone that you love, whether it's a dear friend, a spouse, whoever it might be, that can be a nice way to realize, whoa, I've been speaking to myself in such cruel and terrifying terms. Can I flip that right now? What does it feel mm -hmm. like to speak to myself with kindness? I just asked a, I just asked a client to describe to me if she had a friend or somebody who was interested in exercising and um, wanted to, you know, have an intuitive relationship with movement and feel free and feel good and energize what she would prescribe to her, you know, what she would, what the plan would be. And it was so, so different than what she was enduring every day and forcing her, like quite literally forcing herself to do. And, you know, we just paused for a long time and just thought about that. Just thinking about that is so interesting and powerful. So one of those pathways too, that it's maybe cliche, but also not in the sense that we can so easily give advice to someone we love, yet we never seem to give ourselves that advice, not unless we start to really bring awareness to it. And that's again, why I always talk about tapping, because if you can really train the brain to speak to yourself, almost like a cheerleader or speak to yourself as if you hear your best friend in your head, it changes the way everything feels, you know, you might have everything, everything literally everything, from, you know, <laughs> the way we start our day, the way we maybe choose not to exercise, the way we choose to honor our free time or rest, whatever that is. But as, as soon as we can engage that voice that really likes us and is cheering for us, life becomes that much more enjoyable, which means that we're actually spending our days in ways that do feel good, that do create the life that we thought would be once we reached a goal, but it's actually in the moments where we can really make it a reality. Mm. Ugh, I love. Okay. So tell me you have a library of YouTube videos, correct? Free YouTube videos with tapping. Yes. So I'm not as active on YouTube as I would like because I've been putting most of my energy into tapping with tea, which is, it's, it's basically a tapping app where I add a new video every week. I know it's fancy. Well, the, I've, that is I've cool. jumped a little bit two steps ahead of myself because the app isn't actually released. The website is, is ready to go, but the, the app is not, but that's where I put most of my energy and it's, it's mostly for people that find themselves with these complicated body stories, whether they've been chronically ill, whether they've been through a pretty traumatic series of life events, it could be 
I mean, you know, it's, it's complicated. Normally it's never just one thing. It's a couple of things overlapping Mm -hmm. and then it's twisted a little bit, but yeah, as you found me videos for everything from bloating and gas, dealing with constipation, feeling like you're never going to get better, feeling jealous, feeling guilty, feeling scared that you won't be able to sleep, feeling scared that you can't exercise, whatever story is coming up. I try to make a video based on what people come up with and what they're asking for, because there seems to be themes and, you know, maybe it's because we're all living in human bodies, but most of the time we think that we're maybe experiencing something alone and it turns out everyone else is feeling the same way. So yes, I try to just keep it broad, but also focused because again, I think the wording really does matter. And that's what allows for people to feel seen, to feel validated, and then to realize they don't have to hold on to that story if they don't want it anymore. Oh, I love, so excited for the app. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. We're, we're eagerly waiting, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Beautiful. Okay. Well, I will leave all of your, I'll get all that info from you, website, Instagram, YouTube, anything else? Are you on any other socials? You know, I am not. I try to keep it really simple, even when you go. I mean, that's already a lot. Yeah. Like, if you're on everything, I'm like, whoa. That's yeah, a lot. Just, uh, <laughs> Instagram and then tappingwithtea.com are my top, my top uh, platforms, if you want to call it that. Great. <laughs> All right. I'll leave those down below. Thank you so much for coming on, explaining, sharing everything that you do. Like, you have such an amazing body of work and you just talking to you is healing for me. So I'm so excited for my audience to learn from you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for saying that.